Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. Ooh, you uh, got there before is, I did. Uh, <laughs> my name is Andy, and I'm from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona, sitting with my friend Eric. I just beat him to the uh, introduction, which is exciting. Uh, Eric from the Village in Tucson, and today we are we're, we're trying to go through some rhythms with you all. Today was what are we preaching about and why, and um, and what are we thinking about, and yeah, and what's what's in, what's on our minds right now. So um, there's we got into uh, how disciples are different. We got a little bit into some things that Eric's thinking about around prayer and the lifting of hands. Yeah. And yeah, it's actually, I think it's interesting stuff. And really, this would probably be how a breakfast with you and I might go, because I might pop down and be like, hey, I was reading Timothy 1-2, lifting hands. What do you think about that? And then we would go off on it for a while and then move on to something else. This was a more true and honest faith of a breakfast. in that sense. Yeah. All our other ones are fake. They're all fake, unless we are talking about scripture together, then it's not fake. (laughs) Anyway, enjoy. enjoy the podcast. Well... So uh, we're on the uh, we're on the episode where we talk about what we've been talking about in our sermons lately. So the last one I did was on. Let's see, it was, yeah, it was getting into the idea that Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector were disciples of the same Jesus, followed him, got the same commission, and I kind of suggested that. There's a lot around this, but that we could probably be far more united than we normally are if those two could follow Jesus together. Um, I I contrasted that with a sermon I'd done a while back on Paul and Barnabas, in which I said, hey, you know, sometimes you you might find more unity in not being together for a while, but we also had said, look, but they were still under the same church. They didn't, like, leave each other's communion. They traveled separately. They didn't agree. Um, so we, we went after that kind of idea, especially with the, yeah, Matthew, Simon the Zealot, and just really what Jesus could profoundly do to bring people together who were previously very different and probably remained still different. I don't think they became similar automatons. That's what, that was my last sermon. How about yours? Wow. Uh, my last sermon Sorry, guys. That was just driving me nuts. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Probably not. Um, my last sermon was on... Have I... I haven't preached in a while, so... I, oh, okay. Yeah, my last sermon was on Mike. No, I didn't preach on Mike. What did I oh, preach on? Because you guys are doing minor prophets right now. I'm, I've completely forgotten what I preached on. So I'm going to actually just throw in something that I've been meditating on. Okay. Um, because I haven't really thought about it. I, I think my last sermon was on... Oh, did I do, I didn't do Micah, didn't do Nahum, didn't do Jonah. What did I preach on? I, I have no idea, Eric. I don't go to church. <sighs> my, my brain is really fried. You know what? I I have the similar, I have a similar problem. I appreciate that you're yeah. affirming my yeah. <laughs> senior moment right I now. I happen to remember my last sermon right now, but I, there have been days where I've gone, oh, what, what did I say mm. a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago? Yeah. 
Well, I've been doing a lot of, we're going to be speaking on First Timothy. Okay. And I've been doing a lot of reading of First Timothy. And a line that struck me that doesn't get a lot of talk in, because, you know, First Timothy chapter 2 has a lot of things that people might want to talk about. Sure. But in the beginning, it has this conversation about men not quarreling with each other, but raising their hands in prayer. Mm-hmm. And mm. I started processing that. And apparently in the catacombs, so I started reading, there are lots and lots of pictures of, you know, prayer or uh, assemblies. Yeah. And the men and women all have their hands raised Mm. in prayer. Mm. And I thought, well. We've lost something. We've lost something. And what also got me thinking is I saw some silly meme that um, had a picture of what people think when I say I love Christian music and it had sort of an elevation church yeah. kind of picture and then what I mean and it had like, you know, an Anglican or Orthodox church picture, okay. you know, everybody in robes swinging incense and basically yeah. chanting. Sure. And I thought, you know, we, yeah, maybe when I think about raising hands, I think about yeah. elevation. I think about, you know, churches with a lot of emotion and people really kind of, that's probably Feeling the intensity of things. Probably since the, I don't know, somewhere in the charismatic sure. movement, 60s and 70s, that probably changed. But before that, I assume it was very different. Yeah. So I have been thinking about, well, and I think probably before that, the whole American sort of subdued thing like, was sure. in culture. So you, you, you would be inappropriate for everyone to sort of be that expressive. The, you could call it the leftovers of the Puritan kind of sure. general movement toward being more simplistic, yeah. which wasn't a wrong movement. It was a counter yeah. movement yeah. to, uh, to Roman Catholic opulence, you right. could say, right. but not it being expressive person. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Right. And, and if you read first Timothy chapter two, you know that the whole thing is about what happens in the assembly mm-hmm. when we come together. And I thought it was just, I'm like, well, what is, what is God or what's Paul saying to men? In particular, when he says you shouldn't quarrel, mm-hmm. but you should raise, but the but you should raise your hands during prayer, like in holy, like that together. Do you think he was counter countering two things that you could do with your hands, like by quarreling? Was that almost a synonym for fighting? Like instead of instead of getting into conflict, lift your hands to God. Yeah, is that, you, that, that something that's like that? very possible. And I think knowing Paul, he never meant one thing. Yeah, he, he had probably a lot of subtext happening there, um, but yeah. So I've just been processing that myself because a lot of times when we read, in particular uh, Timothy two, we get very adamant about certain things in it. Sure, but this is not one we get adamant about very often. Right, right? right we right. just read it over till we can get to the yeah, next yeah. part. Okay, pray. Yeah, yeah. prayer's good. Don't argue. You okay, pray. got it. Yeah, yeah, arguing's bad. I'm going to be arguing later this week, but I know I shouldn't. But it's not a big deal. <laughs> right. But let me cover. Yeah, and that kind of thing. And yeah. so I was just feeling like, oh, well, maybe I, I need to really think about what does it mean for me as a leader in my community hmm. to raise my hands when I pray, when I worship, to say this is something we're called to or invited to. It's a it's a form of honor that goes all the way back hmm. to the writings of Paul. And obviously the early church found it something to be valuable. I, I do have this thing in myself, and this has been this has been a a major feature of my faith. And that is that I really struggle with doing something when I don't understand why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And that gets in the way, but it's also part of why I 
do the kind of church that I do and and think the way I think. So I I always I, I really hate lifting up my hands if I if it's just meaningless, if it's just what people are doing. Mm-hmm. But and in anything else, I should say, any other any other thing. But when I discover what the real purpose and meaning is, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. I'll right. do that. I'd love, you know, and love, kind of enjoy participating at sure. that point. So that's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. And and with worship music, um, I, I, I'm not there. I, I feel like, I don't feel that when my hand goes up in the air, I am now more devoted. It doesn't correspond to anything other than me honestly trying to look mm. devout. And so, so I have ceased the practice. Um, I did, I, I, there was some hand raising at one point in life when I was kind of in my early serious days Mm -hmm. of faith. And I, that seemed to be what people are doing. And then I felt kind of weird about it. So I moved to a fist. I did kind of a fist, which I still, I think that was a pretty legit time to me. That kind of corresponded with when I'd go to kind of punk rock shows Mm -hmm. with my friends and just kind of like, just pump my fist in the air. And I was like, something about. You know, again, though, I stopped because I was like, I don't really see the correspondence here. And then I went, yeah, I think it's okay. The honest truth is what I like to do is try to track with the words well. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do when I when I sing songs to God is I try to tune in with the words. And that usually means me leaning against the wall mm-hmm. is what, that's my, that's my stance at church. Mm-hmm. I lean, I lean on the wall. Yeah. Um, but so that's with music. Prayer, though, I'm, I'm actually more intrigued by the lifting hands in prayer. Right. There, there does seem to be a, a posture of receiving. I, you know, are we talking hands over the head? Are we talking hands out in front of you, open? I don't know. What What do you... T- convince me. Convince you? Convince well, I, I first would argue that worship, singing music is prayer to God, so I would put them together. You're, it, you, you are offering Thanksgiving, which is a prayer. Absolutely. So good, good point. Okay. So I would so talk that. me into both then. So well. I would say that. I say the other thing is, I thought it was interesting that you started out with you feel, like sure. you, you feel like this. You don't, you know. So that's an interesting, just to kind of. We're of our generation. We we do think with our feelings. <laughs> at first, we have the we have to kind of bring those into line. I'm starting with, to feel very angry at you right that, now. That's good. Yeah. Um, but for me, when I look at it, I think am i being obedient is this is this what i'm being invited into right is this a prescriptive thing that paul is asking me to do it it has a lot to do with you know even how i would read that whole chapter is Mm -hmm. is this you know what is he trying to address i i do i do think maybe holding my hands up during prayer or singing is to say I'm not in conflict with these people. I'm only in submission to you. Mm-hmm. So that might be one way of thinking about it. I think what's interesting about raising hands for men is that it's vulnerable. When you put your hands up, mm. you can be stabbed, right? Mm-hmm. In a sense, you can be, and men don't like to be publicly vulnerable. It's really hard for us. I know it's a little bit of stereotype, but it it works. I mean, we mm. all know internally that that, yeah, there is the subset of men who are fine being vulnerable but for the most part we don't like it so i think maybe paul is saying like especially in a shame honor culture where vulnerability for a man is not necessary in public is not what's going to happen even more than today yeah so i think 
Yeah, I, I for me, what I tend to do is I am like you. I'm a feeling person, but I'll put my hands up and then I'll begin to analyze. Mm-hmm. So how do I feel? What do I feel like? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Is this submissive? How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think as a leader, I realize you know this is probably uncomfortable for some people, and there's probably a lot of people in my church who should be raising their hands who aren't, who need yeah. to step into that vulnerability. So. I'm not going to always raise my hands because I actually don't think, you know, and this will betray my my uh, reading of this chapter, but I don't think any of that is 100% prescriptive. Well, I was going to say, some of those other issues that you get into, um, the, what, I, what I always want to discuss is what's the, what's the issue underneath the action? What, why is, when Paul's talking to these women or whatever, um, what? Is it just the the action that they do, or was there an issue behind it? And I'm I'm a big believer that there was something behind it, and that if we don't understand that, we might do the action and still violate right. the principle underneath sure. it. Yeah, and so you know it could be you know women and head coverings. So so a woman puts a hat on, comes to church. Have they obeyed Paul? I don't think so. I think he was asking for something else. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, and a whole different thing, but... But, but I think there's got to be a similar thing with... You You don't just walk in and go... I mean, imagine, you know, this would be the robotic thing to do. I walk into church, I throw my hands in the air, I'm obedient to Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, there's... It's there's, obviously... There's more to it. There's a reason There's for always it. a heart thing yeah. at, at play. Yep. And and I Paul's much... I think no matter how he how we read what Paul writes and what, what conclusions we come to, if we don't come to the heart conclusion... Like we've, a, missed it. we've missed it. Yeah, you know the 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 way we understand the practice might look different sometimes, but if we're not at like what the heck is he yeah. speaking at? And I'm not saying don't worry about the practice. No, you yeah, you very sure. well perhaps should do what he says, um, but but it, you should do it for the reason he is right. calling you to. But I also think sometimes we can get caught up in that and not just do the practice and figure out. Uh-huh. what's happening there too you know i mean especially when it comes to like the men thing with prayer like this is a, a spiritual act that we're yeah. asked to step into here and what does that mean so that was just one i've been pondering yeah i i struggle with these uh, yeah no no no, absolutely this should be a deeply spiritual act i i have this in, in the same same line of like my issue of needing to know why i'm doing this but i really this happens to me i'll be somewhere and you know even even family friends and Sometimes I'll go, well, Andy, will you pray? Because the assumption is I'm the pastor. You're the pastor. Yeah. I know how that to pray. To me. And I'm trying to not have a bad attitude about that because I, I do want to be a prayerful person. But at, every once in a while I'm going, oh, my gosh, I just walked in the room. I'm not even – I haven't even oriented to this situation. Sure. I actually may not be the best person to kind of to do this. And I want to – when I pray, I want to pray. I don't want to do token – prayers to get meetings started. Yeah. Actually, that drives me crazy. And there's something I think maybe God would prefer we didn't just speak to him to get meetings started or to transition between portions of services. There, there might be something sort of detestable to God and using talking to him as a strategy to just get to, get to work or start eating um, there's something in there that bothers me about that. So when I do pray, I want it to, I want to be honest. And I, so I find myself in this little inner turmoil where I go, uh, I'm I actually preached a whole sermon on this a while back. 
but where I'll be kind of going, I, I feel like there's a need to this, this social need that people have for the prayer to happen right now. And they expect it to look a certain way. And they expect me to say amen at the end, even though amen is what somebody who's agreeing with the prayer would say. And, but do I do a a weird, honest prayer right now when that's going to socially throw this all off? Is that really what's best for these folks? You know, it's a complicated place in my mind, Eric. Right. It's a it's a really scary little place to be. To, I'm just to, to dive deep into the mind <laughs> of Andy. And how complex, very simple things <laughs> can be. <laughs> right. And every once in a while I go, I just I just do the do the prayer because it doesn't it's worse to make it all really muddy. And then there are other situations in which I've kind of gone, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do something a little different. Right, and and to tie this all back into, um, well, tie it back into what you were saying at the beginning with Matthew and Peter, just talking or Simon the Zealot, or Simon the Zealot, because he's not Peter yet. But well, he'll never be Peter because oh, he is a different. Simon. Oh, we talking about Simon? Oh, the Zealot. You're right. Okay, never mind. So Simon the Zealot. So we know little about very Simon. little, but uh, they're different people, and they pro- they process life differently. Yeah. In particular, you pick two who are opposites. One who is against Rome, the other who is, was at least in bed with Rome until he moved right. on. And, and that's why I, I chose them. Yeah, we all we know about Simon the Zealot is his sort of title, the Zealot. Yeah. And that may mean he was part of the kind of emerging group of zealots, or it may have just meant he was a zealous person likely for the law. Mm-hmm. Either way... He's going to have problems with Matthew. He's going to have problems with Matthew. Right, exactly. And so that's that's where I went with it. I, I love that in The Chosen, Simon the Zealot does like flip kicks and stuff. He's he's like a karate master. Yeah, he does the whole training. So I saw a little clip of his little yeah. kata that he was doing. I'm just glad that they found an actor that could do those sick kicks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us about any of that. All we get is his little, his title. Yeah. Well, you've got to have some action in The Chosen. Yeah, well, for sure. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad that they found somebody. I just imagine they're they're doing their casting, and they get to some of these guys, and they go, well, you know, what kind of moves do you, you know, you've got, you've got the voice, you've got the everything else, but could you, like, could you do a jumping, flipping kick? Yeah, well, he, he's not an actor. He's a stuntman. Which is why he got it. Yeah, that's why yeah. he got the job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure probably they're not paying too high on chosen for for the actors. I mean, I'm sure they're paying for them, but yeah, they don't have the budget of uh, Hollywood to to really. No, of course not. Pay off, pay yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, my point. It was a non-point. It was really just. just I just yeah. wanted to point out that that guy did some sick right. kicks. Right, okay. but all all that to say that like we all come at things in such complex ways, and I, I think that has been one of the frustrating things to me is in church is both at the village and outside is that we don't honor that, that we mm. all have these histories and yeah. ways of, and educations and ways of reading ways of thinking mm. that we've been shaped from the way we've grown up. Yeah. And so we bring them to scripture and we bring them to the way we relate. And we, and we think somehow that this is, Ooh, you just hit on a little pet peeve for me. And uh, not that I don't do it, but it, it's there. We think somehow that when we read it through that lens, we are just reading the truth. And I'm not saying the Bible isn't the truth. Hear right, me. Right, right. Hear me. But we think that our reading of it is just, I read it. That is what it says. 
that is the truth. And we we really need to know that we're extremely formed and shaped by other things that change how we see it. One yeah, and one of the things that one of the big ones is us. I mm-hmm. think one of the biggest things outside of, you know, listening to your to leaders speak about scripture is that there's like what I would call narcissus <sighs> where I read myself sure. into the text oh, yeah. and the application becomes really about me and me um, understanding and gaining something. Um, and it's not, it's not wrong to have Jesus's words speak to me, but it is wrong for me to say that is therefore what it means means like categorically. That's what it means. Or somehow yeah. it, it, it's speaking to, uh, a, a destiny that I could manifest, mm-hmm. you know, and so I kind of read what I long mm-hmm. to have happen in my life into the scripture itself. There's probably a rule that we should all attempt to follow, which is if this can't be true for everybody, like, so you read, let's take a, a typical Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, you know, to prosper you and stuff. So, and you read that and you go, you know what? Like, I should take this new job, right? Like, I should get paid more. I want to get paid more. He has good plans for me. I mean, you should be able to look at your paraplegic brother in Christ who will never work and who will be confined to the wheelchair and say, if this can't apply to him that way, I need to be really careful. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a real good classic example of that. Yeah. One I heard recently that you shouldn't do is, you know, and I think they were criticizing, again, Elevation Church and Furick, but the idea that, you know, because Jesus raised Na- or Lazarus from the grave, he can raise your Lazaruses, you know, so yeah. your dead job opportunities and your Whatever dead, dead things. Yes. Or, and so yeah. that, that would be an example of, of taking it and making it about you. Makes it a little allegorical in a yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. and they don't, none of them would diminish that Lazarus was actually just yeah, they're raised not. from the dead. But. But you'll notice that Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't pull his disciples inside and say, hey, see how I raised him from the dead? I could raise your dead job opportunity. Right, right. Like, I could, you know, he doesn't. He, He's like, hey, now follow me and pick up your cross and die, and I'm not going to raise you from the dead. Right. I mean, that's okay. Like, yep. in one case, he raises them from the dead. In the other case, he tells them to pick up their cross and die. It's It's a little more complex. And I think, you know, what helps me is... I, I'm right now I'm working on, we're doing kind of a review of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now I'm kind of processing the story of Jesus and that kind of thing. And, you know, the part, uh, the reference kind of escapes me now, but the part where it says in Matthew, I believe you seek and you will find and that right, whole process. The door, then it will be open and then he goes on into like, you know, who, you know, who, uh, who gives their children basically bad thing. You guys yeah. are evil. And you give your kids good, good things. things, but I am good basically, and I'm gonna or God is good. He's gonna give you the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and the yeah. thing that is the answer to the Jeremiah question. Yeah, yes, He does have plans to prosper you. The yeah. plans are that His Spirit will be with you, yep. and will be with the paraplegic, and will be with the person sitting in poverty and huddled in a hut, and the guy sitting up there in the you know castle. He gets to define prosperity, though, right? And and you get to lay you get to lay down your demands of what your prosperity looks like and surrender to his. Yes. And it, so it's yeah. Which you know, I which don't think this is said enough about the gospel because we talk a lot about our sin, which is good, and 
Jesus dying for our sin. But what's not said is that everything is about demand. Yeah. You want to follow Jesus, you have to lay down your demands. And it is that is what discipleship is all about. Mm-hmm. Because when you come to you're like, I want this. And Jesus says, well, here's the Holy Spirit. I want this. Well, here's the Holy Spirit. And you're like, wait, I need a hundred bucks or I need, you know, I need my car to be fixed. No, you need the Holy Spirit. It's an, and we've been as, so we're doing our series is called Diverse Disciples and we're trying to imagine. It's a very, there's a lot more. I'm using the word imagine more than I normally do. Oh boy. You look progressive there. I know. And we sing mercy me. I can only imagine. That's not progressive at all. Um, No. Um, but but really though, I think it's helpful because yes. no it's holy like, imagination is very important. But we're imagining too. What would it be like to walk with somebody like this? And acknowledging we don't know exactly what the person was like, but we do know that in our building right now, sitting around us, are people who we don't understand, who are very different than us. Some of you are thinking that about me right now, you know, and all this stuff. And so for us to be able to walk together, I think we need to imagine and realize it was it's always been this way. It's always a whole bunch of different people in the room. Um, oh, shoot. Where was I going with that? I was something to the effect of, oh, yeah. So Simon the Zealot, if you think, even even if he's just a zealous guy and not a zealot zealot, zealous people want to do great things and defend great things and so on. Simon the Zealot, we, we really hard, even history is pretty vague on him. Right. And the gospel, so here comes the zealot whatever he does, I mean, he's one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He's given the Great Commission. I'm sure he did incredible things. Nobody knows, you know? No notoriety. Uh, Here comes Matthew, the tax collector, um, and he is the, everybody knows his junk, how unqualified he is. He writes a gospel. Isn't it fascinating that he writes a very Jewish gospel? Potentially, as I was digging into it, I, I didn't even... I should have known this. This proves I didn't go to seminary, right? Um, or I went late and still haven't finished, which is the truth. But It doesn't prove anything. Continue. No, no, no. I was going to say, I probably would have known, had I done that early, that Matthew may have written his gospel in Hebrew. Um, and then it there seemed to be some signals that right. it was originally written in Hebrew. So he writes a very Jewish gospel, specifically at Jewish people, as the person they're least likely to listen to, which is kind of self-authenticating if you think about it um why would why would you do that if you're trying to create the new re- world religion you know as as people will say the disciples were trying to do you'd pick the more qualified person the person that they would clearly listen to matthew's the one they could easily write off and he himself admits to being the tax collector he, he labels himself as that mm-hmm. yeah very interesting how the disciples label themselves i mean mark most likely is sermons of Peter, and it's full of Peter making stupid mistakes. You know? And and we think of Mark running away naked yes. from the scene of the of the arrest. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting too. Yeah, there's lots of very you know, the, these are not these are not books written to show the disciples as the shining yeah. stars. It seems they seem to air their dirty laundry in them. Yes. Really. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they could have, I mean, just said, look, we got limited space already. We want to get more Jesus in there and less right. us. But they actually said, oh, well, this is what it looks like to interact as broken, yeah. goof, goofy people. Yep. And here we are. Yeah. 
That's really fascinating. Doesn't bear the marks of an ancient um, religion in the making. No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It bears the marks of people telling what actually happened. Yeah, and uh, which is cool. Um, well, you know, it's okay. I'm gonna let it slide. You should let it slide because I had it off the table. You did good. Yeah, I saw that. He purposely did that. Um. That yeah, was, it anyway, anyway. But um, to go back to our point because you had a pet peeve about it, I, I do think there is so much to us being able to offer people grace because of the way we approach scripture and be able to be together and worship together and to wrestle together and to love Jesus together. There's a lot of room mm-hmm. for that. And yeah. I think and I think we kind of level each other out our various stories and approaches. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the beauty of it is, yes, there is these giftings that of people who are our leaders who are called to equip us. But at the same time, while being equipped, we have the spirit of God in us that gives us really good things to offer yeah. from our perspective and, and to add to that, that kind of equipping. So I, I wish we were more willing to engage that way than we are. I remember absolutely. And, and I think that's part of what we're getting at in our series right now is trying to, we'll acknowledge these differences, but then go, hey, look, there's Jesus surrounded himself with diverse people who were not all the same, because A, that's just the only way it'll ever be, but B, there's a, there's a reason for that. There's a, good, there's a good reason for different types of people to be following Jesus together. It really does change how the mission gets carried out. Yeah. But we... Um, one of the times this stood out the most to me was in our small group in our home and we were going into the book of judges and just watching in our early, our early weeks of going through this, people respond. I mean, some are like, this is embarrassing. Like I really struggle with like, even the fact that this is in the Bible. And then Mm. other people came in and they were like, I love judges. Like there's like, people get their butts kicked and like all this stuff happens and it's like super awesome. Right. And others were just like, what is even happening here? And why is this in the Bible? Right. And, and others were just kind of going, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just along for the ride and, or something like that, you know, but it, you just see, you're going, how, how do people that view this book so differently end up in the same church? And then, but as we're sharing those perspectives, you see all of them, like the ones that are kind of the kick butt people, you know, that might be a little bit much, but at the same time, they're, they're seeing kind of, you know, God is at work in all this. And then mm-hmm. the people that are, that are embarrassed are seeing, yeah, but this is like a wicked, like, this isn't all good. This isn't all stuff to be proud of, which right. the book of Judges is pretty clear on as well. And, and you see it. The whole the view you come out with at the end from analyzing a book of the Bible or anything like that with a group of diverse people is way more accurate than right. if it was just you, right? Yeah, and gives you a taste of it. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't care how people feel about Andy Stanley. He does such a humorous series on judges called Bedtime Stories You'd Never Tell Your Children. <laughs> And it's just, you know, and and it was really yeah. a fun look at it because it's like, you know, this is pretty raw, guys. That was his yeah. point. Like, and this is 
This is like anti-Sunday school. You told the Gideon story, but you didn't tell the whole thing. Right. You told this story, but you didn't tell the whole thing. You're going to talk about the chopping up of people into little pieces? Right. <laughs> right. Kids. Yeah. Read your Bibles. Read your Bible. Like, yeah. You know, this. and his point was like, look, the Bible, the Bible's raw. It doesn't, it doesn't just sugarcoat it for you. It just slams you in the face with reality. Yeah. And, and people's interpretation of God, in a sense, in that reality, like yeah. God speaking into it, but it's a messy reality that God's speaking into, and it's a really yeah. kind of like, oh, right, like, here we go. Right. You know, this isn't your, your meditation reading for the morning. <laughs> no, and if it is, like, you might have a rough day. You yeah. Know, and... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's a good thing to remember about the Bible in general too is it's I mean judges is chronicling that absolute kind of unraveling of Israel and God's kind of continual judgment upon them that they, they have right. these judges because they've they're not they're not walking with with God as they should and they're and it's just chronicling how this all goes downhill yeah I mean so read it with that in mind if yeah. you if you read it and you're hoping to come away with some like great application for life, and you will, like what not to do, perhaps, or yeah. that God actually might deal with you. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Well, I think I think this was a good podcast. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too, man. I think this is really good. Um yeah, absolutely. We so we were just acknowledging before we got on here we hadn't had any questions lately. So we are taking questions. Yeah. Over breakfast at gmail.com. Feel free to send anything over. Um also if you're if you like this podcast, if you like listening to the sound of our voices, go ahead and give us a rating. That yeah. helps. And uh a comment on the ratings even better. Oh shoot, comment on the rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't just give the stars, give a little a little word or two. Yeah, it's, it gets us up the like, oh, the sound of Eric's voice is just a like honey to my soul or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever yeah, you I wish. want to see that one. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. We'll so, we'll give yeah. some reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one you could say, Andy should be by himself. Who's that Eric guy? Yeah, yeah. And then and the other one could say the other same I'm not a monologuer. It's not gonna I mean I not that I can't, but it I don't want to. You don't want a monologue? No. All right. Yeah, but stop monologuing could be a could be a, a review too. Just, yeah, just make sure it's a five star review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> five star review, matter. Anyway, faithoverbreakfast at gmail dot com. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we appreciate you. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you. <laughs>